Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, listeners. Today, we have a very special guest. We've heard a lot over the years about religious liberty in France, and of course, France and America are kind of cousins in revolution and in the rights of man, but the French have taken a little different turn when it comes to religious freedom. Our guest today is Professor Bernadette Rigaud-Salar, uh, Professor of American Studies and Religious Studies at the University of Bordeaux. Professor Rigaud-Salar, thank you so much for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Well, thank you very much for having me. So, you know, let's just jump right in. Um, in France, at least to those of us who care about faith here in America, it appears that the emphasis on a secular government, the secular society, puts religion at a disadvantage. But when we were together recently, you were explaining that it's, it's not quite so black and white. Help our listeners get a better handle on what the situation is like in France, especially for people of religious minorities. Okay, well, it's a little bit complicated indeed to explain, but let me start with the, the sort of beginning of the separation of church and state, that is to say the law of 1905, which is a law that put an end, that was meant to put an end to the overwhelming power of the Catholic Church. And so a lot of people, including, of course, the Protestants, the Jews, Freemasons, were, you know, wanting, I mean, they really wanted a very strong separation of church and state so that the church could not, if you like, influence the government. But also a majority of Catholics, since the law was passed with a very heavy majority in Congress, and the majority of people were Catholics, so we know that it was the Catholics themselves who were for this separation. So that's 1905, and the text of the law reads pretty much like the First Amendment of the American Constitution. France is a country, a republic, that protects the liberty of conscience, I'm quoting, it guarantees the free exercise of religion, provided religions do not endorse the religion in question, does not endanger public order. So the Republic does not recognize a specific religion, does not finance any religious activity, except chaplaincies in public schools, hospitals, and prisons. And so this is the law of 1905. So ever since then, and this is what we call the system of, you know, separation or laicity, meaning, you know, it's a lay republic as opposed to a religious, you know, republic. And this is confirmed in the Constitution that we have, the Constitution of 1958. That is pretty much the same thing, that, you know, France is a republic that's really indivisible uh, and that it protects the freedom of conscience. Now, the situation for, let's say, you know, several decades, practically the whole century, uh, had become finally very peaceful between the Catholics and the others, and between the Catholics and the government, or the Catholic Church and the government, it took, you know, a few decades, of course, to calm down. But after the Second World War, things were pretty smooth. Now, you know, nobody talks about religion in the public sphere, but there's um department in the government, which is one of the major departments, which is called Department de l'Intérieur, 
which is not the, the name is the same as the Department of the Interior, but it's not the same thing at all. It's rather Homeland Security and, uh, in fact, the political advisory board to the government. So, uh, within this department, there's a very major part which is called Le Bureau des Cultes, which means it's the Bureau of Religious Groups. And it's a body of just a few people who, in fact, are in charge of the relations between the government and major religions. So this body makes sure that the government does not privilege one specific religious group, but at the same time that people's religious freedom is guaranteed. Now, of course, in a, that's the jury. De facto, if you belong to a very, you know, minority group, what we call new religions, uh, or things like that. People, they will not be persecuted, they will not go to jail, we're not in China nor in Russia, but in case of divorces, in case of, you know, kinds of things like that, there might be problems because if one of the thousands is known to belong to one of those specific religious groups, you know, very often the church will tend to prefer, you know, for example, uh, giving custody to the other person. So there have been, you know, a lot of problems. Let's talk about that list, because at various times, I think we've had shows talking about, is it something like 18 different minority religions that are singled out by the French government? And uh, I'm not sure it's the exact status, but they lack any kind of formal recognition or status by the government. Yeah, well, there's no official recognition of any. The, the Republic does not recognize any religious body. But there are what we call cultural, I mean, association culturelle, which is a little bit like, you know, recognizing a, a, a group in America as a religious group. So you have to apply and then you may get re, you know, recognition as a group culturelle, which means, you know, you practice the faith. So it's a little bit, uh, when we say cult in French, it doesn't mean a cult in English, it means a religious group. So this is the body. There's no recognition of any religion per se. There's no definition of religion either in France, just like here in the U.S. But there's association culturelle, which means that a body will be entitled to have this recognition. And of course, that's mostly for the IRS, the equivalent of the IRS. That is to say, to, you know, to have your benefits as a religious organization um, tax deductible. Among the groups that are not recognized for tax purposes, um, if I'm remembering now, I'm, I'm drawing out of uh, long-term memory here, but you have, uh -huh. uh, you know, minority religions like the Church of Scientology or the Jehovah Witnesses or even some Baptists are not recognized, if I recall. Is that well, correct? They, well, I wouldn't know about that. Well, the Church of Scientology has not been recognized as a religious and cultural association. The Jehovah's Witnesses definitely have. And a few years ago, I can't remember the exact date, but... The European Court of Human Rights said France had to give back the money that had been taken, you know, by the, the French IRS. And so the France had to pay back millions and millions of euros to the Jehovah's Witnesses because they were recognized as a association culturelle and hence the benefits that they had been making. And also they had to do with, um, work, you know, workers' employment benefits and things like that had to be given back. So this was quite a few years ago. I would say at least five or six years ago. As for the Baptists, if they, I mean, there are many groups of Baptists, and you know, I don't have to explain that to you, but if they are association culture, they do have benefits, definitely. 
recognize the Church of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They are recognized as Association Culturelle, so they have no problems now with taxes. So it's really, you know, I don't think there are, there's a list of 18 groups that wouldn't be recognized, you know. I don't know where you got that from. It was a list that had been, you know, found drawn by the parliament, so members of Congress, it was called Midi-Lud, which had a list of all kinds of groups that were supposed to be cult in the American sense of the word, but we don't talk about it anymore, so that's, a, um, that's not, if you like, one of the, we don't talk about it so much now, okay? So, so yeah. I think I was confused because I was reading up about China for another radio show we're going to do. So I thought oh, yeah. that that earlier list from uh, the French Parliament was a much larger list, but I'm very happy to hear. Oh yeah, yeah, so it was a very large. It was a very large list, but we don't go by it anymore. Yeah, no, 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 no. We, we don't have really many numbers. Yeah, but in, in fact, the uh, we can say that to some extent because of the massive, in, you know, influx. It's not so much the massive influx of people coming from Arab countries and Muslim countries. But let's say the massive presence in the public space of, you know, Muslims that have wanted to find their identity as Muslims in the last, let's say, 20 years, that people have become very upset about religion in the public sphere. If you have, you know, if you follow your own religious, you know, goals or, you know, rituals or whatever, and you don't, you know, force people to see you in the public space, you know, in the public space, people don't care. But the problem certainly surfaces if people, you know, want to be physical. And this right. is one where, you know, you have the, the problem of the famous, you know, Muslim veil or the people you were talk, telling me about. You know, but that's now, uh, uh, this is what we talked about, if you remember last week. But this yeah. is all exclusively in public schools. This problem will only surface up, you know, in public schools. Let me ask you this question, because I think the key issues, when Americans look at the Muslim community here, and they look at what's happening in France with the attack, um, you know, on, on Charlie Hebdo, and the situation with Muslims in France, I think it, it gives Americans cause for alarm. And my own perception, granted, I, you know, I haven't been to France, that, um, the, the, Muslim community in America, I think, is far better integrated into American society than it is in France. You tell me if, if you think I'm on the right track, or but I think that that may be a key to reducing intolerance and uh, potential for violence is simply you know incorporating whether it's Islam or, or different traditions into the society and not having segregation and, uh, you know, kind of ghettoization. Well, that's a very biased view that you have because, first of all, the history is different. We have about, I would say, almost 10% of the population that comes from North African countries. First of all, the population you have that Muslim is not the same as the one we have. Most people come from North Africa. Most of them are totally integrated. They've been coming from, you know, since the beginning of the 20th century, or at least since, you know, the 50s, 60s, most of them are totally integrated. But, I mean, I work with, you know, Arabs, Muslims all the time at the university level, everywhere I go, in the post office, the police, whatever. But those we talk about are exactly like your gangs in Los Angeles. You know, they don't represent the whole Muslim population in France. The other ones who are either 
politically active or mostly that have been following what the Saudis have been trying to do, which is since the 1980s, trying to make, you know, I mean, trying to prove that Saudi Arabia was the leader of the Muslims all around the world, not the Iranians, and you've been hearing about that here too. And so they've had a, a strategy of wanting the Muslim French population, Western European Muslim population in general, feel victims to the nasty Westerners. But, um, and this has worked for some people. I taught for six years and I'm 70% Algerian. So most of my kids in school, 70% of them were Alger of Algerian descent. We never had the slightest problem, the religious problem. None of the girls wore the veil. Everybody was, you know, working, studying, etc. We worked as kids, mainly the boys, but we were invited by the parents. It was none of that. Now, the problem started really in the 80s when, after the Iranian Revolution, when Saudi Arabia launched this strategy of really making the Muslims in the West feel that they were threatened, which was not the case. And it also, the strategy was to make them affirm their religious identity. So if you read the books by somebody like Kepel, Gilles Kepel, K-E-P-E-L, uh, and I believe some of them have been translated to be one of the major specialists of the Near and Middle East. Uh, but he explains very clearly how this identity connects, I mean, this um, identity, you know, kind of desire to show that you were muscling uh, in this, you know, westernized, secular space was in fact, if you like, uh, how could I put it, was accelerated. And it accelerated in what we call the suburbs of some cities like Paris, would be like the inner cities of the United States. But that concerned a part of the Muslim population, not all of it. Professor, I, I wish we could continue this conversation. We are out of time, and okay. I definitely want to get your cell phone and, and, and do this again. And I, okay. I appreciate your correcting me. Uh, okay. Very insightful. Uh, yeah. This has been Freedom's Ring. We've been talking about religious freedom in France. I'm your host, Dale Renner. Until next week, let Freedom Ring. <laughs>